Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. One of the Ten Commandments is not to lie. But what is lying? Is it just to tell an untruth? Is it to mislead someone intentionally? If so, does that include white lies? A white lie meaning that you lead someone away from the truth intentionally, but not by telling them untruths. You intentionally leave out key factors, or you say things that could even be true, but you know, they'll, they'll be taken in a way that leads people away from truth. This can even be done by the error of omission, by not saying or, or speaking up and saying something that would help someone find truth. For example, in my house, and I'm sure this has never happened in yours, if, if, if I find something and I say, does anyone know how this thing got broken? <laughs> and no one speaks up to say that they broke it. They are intentionally not speaking to lead me to believe that they don't know who broke that thing. They didn't tell me that they didn't break it, so they weren't intentionally lying like that. They just didn't speak up and answer the question. This leads me to believe that believe something that, that is not true and is considered a white lie or a lie by omission. Joe Biden took a different tack than most presidential candidates when he ran for president this last time. <laughs> he basically hid in his basement and, and did not say much so as to let his friends in the media portray him in a favorable light. Like the famous Mark Twain quote, it is better to remain silent and be thought of as a fool than to talk and remove all doubt. The liberal and leftist Democrats in Washington, D.C. have taken a similar tack with Joe Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. If you missed any of the four days of testimony in front of the Senate committee uh, last week, no problem. The answer to any question that the Republicans asked her was one of two things. Either, number one, I don't know. Or, number two, I don't want an answer. <laughs> it was one of those two things. I don't, I don't know, or I don't want to answer. This got so bad that when asked for a definition of what a woman was, her answer was, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Seriously, that's exactly what she said. This has sparked a wave of hysterical memes going viral across the, uh, social media right now about uh, not knowing if it's raining since I'm not a meteorologist or things like that. <laughs> Some of these are pretty funny. Judge Jackson looked so bad that even Mitch McConnell has kind of changed his mind and decided not to vote for her to be the next Supreme Court judge. From the Daily Wire, it says U.S. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, the Republican from Kentucky, announced on Thursday that he will not support President Joe Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Judge Brown Jackson, after 
coming into this process with quote an open mind he was he was literally thinking of voting for her because there's probably nothing stopping her uh with the the senate being democratic and the uh, the uh, swing vote uh being the vice president uh th- that it's it's pretty much a done deal unless one of the democrats decides not to vote for her quote after studying the nominee's record and watching her performance this week i cannot and will not support judge jackson for a lifetime appointment to our highest court, McConnell said in a statement. First, Judge Jackson refuses to reject the fringe position that Democrats should try to pack the Supreme Court. Packing the Supreme Court means they want to put a whole lot more members on there, obviously liberal ones, instead of the the current number that uh, that we have uh, right now. Justices Ginsburg and Breyer had no problem denouncing this unpopular view and defending their institution. I assume this would be an easy softball for Judge Jackson, but it wasn't, is what he had to say. The nominee suggested there are two legitimate sides to the issue, he continued. She testified that she has a view on the matter, but would not share it. See, just like I said, she inaccurately compared her non-answer to a different narrow question that a prior nominee was asked. But Judge Jackson seemingly tipped her hand. She said she would be, quote, thrilled to be one of however many, unquote. The opposite of, of course, Ginsburg and Breyer's uh, sentiment. The most radical pro-court packing fringe groups badly wanted this nominee for this vacancy. Judge Jackson was the court packer's pick, and she testified like it. McConnell specifically took issue with Jackson's stance on crime and illegal immigration uh, in his statement. He said, quote, this is one area where Judge Jackson's trial court records provide a wealth of information, and it's troubling. McConnell said the judge regularly gave certain terrible kinds of criminals light sentences that were beneath the sentencing guidelines and beneath the prosecutor's requests. The judge herself this week used the phrase policy disagreement to describe the subject. The issue isn't just the sentences. It's also the judge's rhetoric in trial transcript and the creative ways she bent the law. In in one instance, Judge Jackson used COVID as a pretext to essentially rewrite a criminal justice reform law from the bench and make it retroactive, which Congress had declined to do. She did so to cut the sentence of a fentanyl trafficker while Americans died in huge numbers from overdoses, he continued. Judge Jackson declined to walk uh, senators through the merits of her reasoning in specific cases. She just kept repeating that it was her discretion. And if Congress didn't like it, then it was our fault for giving her the discretion. (laughs) That is hardly an explanation as to why she used her discretion the way she does. It was not reassuring to hear Judge Jackson essentially saying that if senators want her to be tough on crime, then we need to change the law to take away her discretion and force her to do it. (laughs) 
That response just seems to confirm that deeply held personal policy views seep into her uh, jurisprudence. And, and that is essentially what the record suggests. So what is the, what is the left's response to these Senate hearings? I mean, we, we heard McConnell here, um, and, and he's, he's dumbfounded with some of her answers, or non-answers in this case. Um, and j- like... Just like like anything else, it is it is that if you don't like her and 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 her stances on things or or her her decisions, then you're a racist. That's what the response is from the left. Yes, the same tired old song and dance is played again by the liberals and. I don't know about you. I am so tired of hearing this, but here we go. Aaron Morrison uh, and, and Lisa um, Mascaro of, of the Associated Press basically uh, wrote an article saying black women feel sting of traumatizing Jackson hearings. You, you, you got to hear this. So the Supreme Court nominee, uh, Katani Jack- Brown Jackson, had to endure hours of public scrutiny during her Senate hearings. And that's something familiar to many black women. Yeah. And it reads like this. It says, Senator, she said, letting out an audible sigh. In that singular moment, Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown Jackson spoke for countless black women who have had to gather all the patience, strength, and grace within to answer insinuating questions about their credentials, qualifications, and character. It was day one of questioning at the Senate Judiciary Committee as the Harvard-educated Jackson, the first black woman to be nominated for the nation's highest court, was making history. The federal judge had to endure hours of public scrutiny from skeptics and namely the Republican senators who are in uh, uh, erecting a wall of opposition to her landmark nomination, the first in the court's 233-year history, and may vote and block against her confirmation. In other words, anybody who opposes her is a racist. I go on. It says, it, it was really traumatizing to watch said Melody L. Campbell, a president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation and co- uh, convener of the Black Women's Roundtable, from questioning of Jackson's view of books on critical race theory that drew her exasperated sigh, quote, they don't come up in my, uh, in my work as a judge, she said. So again, she didn't ask the question to the loaded suggestion that the sentences she imposed on child pornography defendants were too lenient. The questions from the Republicans tapped into long-standing American grievances over race, class, and public safety. Ah, yeah. (laughs) That's because her view on CRT and the fact that she gave the minimum sentences or less to 100% of the convicted child porn offenders does make a difference. Well, of course, unless you're a black woman, I guess. So 
Uh, I go on. It says the insinuations that Jackson, a distinguished uh, jurist and mother of two, is a secret radical liberal who poses a danger to the safety of children felt to some supporters as yet another example of highly qualified black women having to endure indignities and distortions of their credentials, even as they shatter racial barriers in American society. Well, I think the children that were harmed by those perverts that Judge Jackson defended and let out of jail early would disagree with this statement. It says, Campbell told the Associated Press that, quote, the othering of her is a, is in sense a, well, like she's against our children, unquote. Seemed like a tired political tact. Again, I think those that were harmed for life by her friends here would disagree. Quote, my spirit feels it was to bring this black woman down because she's about to break the glass ceiling that once broken opens a door to more. Ah, there it is. Every Republican is, say it with me, racist. We just don't want blacks in these, and particularly black women, in these positions. And we're afraid if she gets in there, it's going to lead to more. (sighs) Democrats praise President Joe Biden's choice of Jackson as long overdue. A chance to start making the court more reflective of the diverse nation it serves. But they have been slow to bolster the judge's nomination against the unrelenting attacks and instead allowed them to linger. This choice is not because she is a good judge. She's not. It's for the racist reason that she is a black female and will do whatever she's told to do when she gets on the court. That's why she was picked. It says over and over during the hearings, Republican Senator Tom or Ted Cruz of Texas, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, and Josh Hawley of Missouri hammered Jackson on a handful of the many cases she handled as a judge, asking if she regretted having a record that, in their view, is soft on child pornography defendants. No matter how many times Jackson asserted, for example, that the child pornography cases were some of the most difficult of her career, or tried to explain the particulars of the law and the GOP senators talked over her, past her, and pushed her onward uh, in their attempt to portray the nominee as they wished. Well, maybe because this is that she refused to answer the questions and has a perfect 100% record of sentencing child pornographers to the minimum sentences or less. Quote, I can only wonder, what's your hidden agenda? Asked Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, pointing to one of the judge's earlier writings. Quote, it is to let violent criminals, cop killers, and child uh, predators back to the streets? Is it your personal hidden agenda to uh, incorporate radical 
uh, critical race theory into our legal system? The senators insisted. Their questions were not about race. In fact, Graham opened with a warning that the questionnaires would be framed as racist. Well, we're all racist if we ask hard questions. It's not going to fly with us. <laughs> and of course, here we go. Judging from this article and articles like this one, he was exactly right. Yet Republicans ignored analysis, it says, that shows that Jackson's sentencing record on such cases is on track with other judges appointed by both Democrats and Republican presidents, and that in some cases she went beyond recommendations to come down harder on defendants. What I regret, Jackson told the senators, is that in the hearing about my qualifications to be justice on the Supreme Court, we spent a lot of time focusing on this small subset of my sentences. Well, she, she may be right. We should focus more on her decisions uh, in traffic court, let's say, rather than the 100% of her child porn cases. For many supporters of Jackson, the Republicans' cherry-picking of her record tarnished a monumentous occasion. Nina Turner, a former Ohio State senator who was a prominent surrogate for Senator Bernie Sanders' 2020 Democratic presidential campaign criticized Democratic members on the committee for not defending Jackson more vigorously. She should not have had to endure what she endured, Turner told the AP. The Democratic senators should have used this author their authority and positioning to show the prerequisite outrage necessary for that moment. <laughs> yeah, that's because they couldn't defend her. They couldn't defend her past decisions, so all they could do was just simply filibuster and not even ask her any questions. So a lot of these senators were there not asking her any questions, just going on and on about things that had nothing to do with what they were there to do. Overall, during her time in the district court bench, Jackson presided over 14 total cases of child sexual abuse, interstate travel for child sexual abuse, and child pornography. The American Bar Association Standing Committee on the Federal Judiciary said that it, it, in its survey of some 250 judges, attorneys, and, and academics, these words such as brilliant and beyond reproach and fair were used to describe Jackson. Yeah, well, maybe that tells you a little bit about the ABA, right? In a letter to the Senate Committee, uh, Fred Bauman, a a University of Missouri law professor and former federal prosecutor spoke of this uh, of his dismay at the thought Jackson was somehow soft on these crimes. His letter was signed by other experts in the field. White House Press Secretary Andrew Bates blasted the Republican line of questioning as an embarrassing conspiracy theory that has, quote, been conspiracy conclusively debunked by fact check after fact check. Wow. <laughs> kind of tells you again something about the fact checkers, right? <laughs> but alone before the panel, Jackson had difficulty convincing the Republican senators as she worked to explain the rules judges adhere to and the nuances of wrenching cases they face. The GOP senators rarely uh, accepted the judge's answers and interjected or just ignored her explanations 
altogether. And of course, that is because she gave no answer. And in some cases, was told not to give an answer by the Democratic Committee chairman. At one point, Jackson simply stopped answering. Well, there we go. Senator, she said to Cruz, I've said what I'm going to say about these cases. No one case can stand in for entire judge's record. I rest my case. I told you that she didn't answer the questions. And there she admitted it. It says, by Thursday, as the hearings concluded, Republican leaders in the Senate were using the issue as her refusal to you know, repeat earlier answers as justification for opposing her confirmation. Throughout the four days of testimony, black women filled many of the seats in the committee room. Those women, including some of the leading civil rights figures and members of the Congressional Black Caucus, which ran its own war room to back up Jackson's nomination. <clears throat> it says Latasha Brown, co-founder of the group Black Votes Matter, said she had received numerous text messages from black women who were both outraged by Jackson's treatment from senators and, um, and heartened by her clear determination to endure the process. I just got texts that said, persevere. It was a it was a reference to Jackson's own words of advice delivered at the hearing to young people who may have watched what the nominee endured and felt discouraged. Quote, black people in America, Brown said, if we don't know anything else, we know what that word means. So <laughs> to sum up the entire article, whites equals racist, blacks equals victims. That was <laughs> That's how you sum up that article. But to many that watch the hearings to find out what kind of judge she is and, and, and would make, well, they, they would they'd use another descriptive word, I think, and it's called disqualifying. So um, from an article by Harmi Dillon, who is the chairwoman of the Republican National Lawyers Association, uh, she uh, put together an article entitled Disqualifying Words from Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. After four long days of hearings by the Senate Judiciary Committee, we are left with more questions than answers about what kind of justice J- uh, Judge Bra- Jackson uh, would be if confirmed to the Supreme Court. And the answers uh, the, the Senate uh, and received were troubling to the point of being disqualifying. Judge Jackson repeatedly claimed to not have a judicial philosophy. Instead, she, she suggested that she uses a methodology that she has developed throughout her time on the bench, utilizing the arguments of the parties, the facts in the case, and the law that applies in every case as inputs that aid her decision-making. The problem is that this methodology wholly lacks substance, and Jackson described more of a, a functional strategy used by every judge rather than a philosophy lens through which she views the law. The judicial philosophy is needed 
to inform how the law is read and how it applies to the facts of the case. When Jackson was was giving curious answers about her non-philosophy, she paid lip service to textualism and originalism, uh, discussing how she may rely on the original public meaning of laws used in deciding cases. Maybe, as Justice um, Elena uh, Kagan said during her confirmation uh, hearings, we're all contextualists now. (laughs) However, Professor Jennifer Mascott's testimony before the committee explains how Jackson's methodology has, um, has as evidence in her judicial opinions would allow her to stray from the text of the law. The approach embedded within certain lower court decisions further suggests that the judge's application of constitutional and statutory methodology would differ significantly from the approach of previously committed textualists and originalist jurists. In other words, what they're saying here is that she doesn't believe in what the founding fathers believed in, in regards to the Constitution, which is what would be her job, of course, if if confirmed. Mascot noted that contextualist and originalism would would likely be just one of many frameworks used by Judge uh, Justice Jackson, alongside heavy uh, reliance on even incorrect precedent legislative history, and general purpose. Huh. (laughs) Judicial philosophy is not a fast food menu of choices. (laughs) Rather, Supreme Court justices typically bring an intellectual or philosophical framework to the task that, that provides coherence and consistency to judicial analysis. This word salad explanation on Jackson's behalf simply begs the central question. And beyond her unwillingness to articulate a judicial philosophy, Jackson illustrated her willingness to bow to the radical theology and and ideology of the left in in an exchange with Senator Marsha Blackburn, where Jackson declined to define what a woman was, demurring that she was not a biologist, as we talked about earlier. Remarkably, the nominee, specifically chosen by the Biden administration and and heralded by the media based on her biological sex, is unwilling to comment on what the definition of a woman is. A dodge she surely would not suffer in her own courtroom from uh, a witness trying to prove he or she was too clever for the examining lawyer. I mean, she wouldn't let anybody in her courtroom get away with that kind of stuff. But of course, she tries to do it here and is allowed to get away with it. (laughs) Jackson's extraordinarily non-answer to this question raises serious doubts about how she would adjudicate claims arising under important federal statutes, including Title, um, Title VII or Title IX. Um, that come before the court relating to the foundational legal concepts such as sex, gender, and equal protection. Would Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, whose historic career was founded on the struggle for women's rights under the law, recognize a radically changed landscape where a punitive uh, Supreme Court justice undermines the very concept of womanhood itself? 
the, the, the wisdom of her sentencing practices was debated. But one thing was clear from Jackson's testimony. She believed the sentencing guidelines formulated to accompany the laws passed by Congress were outdated or too harsh. And I would, I would say that she, she just thinks they're too harsh or uh, almost, you know, don't, don't need to be there at all, which justified her, her uh, substituting her own radically different judgment for, for them when a trial court uh, judge uh, makes, makes their judgment. What other laws does she believe are outdated enough that she can ignore them once she's on the Supreme Court? Jackson claimed not to be familiar with critical race theory, really, but she, she has spoken favorably of it in, in past speeches and sits on the board of a progressive elite school in Washington, D.C., where the, the, the tenets of critical race theory are taught to elementary students. What other progressive ideologies does she refuse to recognize publicly while quietly supporting them? The incredible what is a woman answer, <laughs> coupled with responses on judicial philosophy, seemingly designated to, you know, facilitate the, the or parry rather than educate um, misdirection on, on critical race theory from a judge who has spoken about its founders and pop culture proponents in such glowing terms in the past two years, and refusal to answer so many questions adds a pile of clues that the real Jack, what is the real Jackson, what, and what is her motives? And it remains hidden from the sentence. And maybe not. Maybe it isn't. I, I think they kind of know who she is here, just simply by her refusal. As, as, a, as a judge might say, the Senate has been presented with an incomplete record, but one from which inferences may fairly be drawn, and those inferences counsel against confirmation of this judge. Judge Jackson was selected by a racist president, and she was selected by a racist president for a sexist reason. She was selected because she was a woman and she was black. And that was it. He, President Biden said that he was going to nominate a black woman when, if, if he was able to nominate somebody to the Supreme Court. And that is exactly what he did. She wasn't picked because she was smart. <laughs> we can see from, from, from her testimony. She, she wasn't picked because she was a good judge. We can see from her record. She was picked because she was black and she was a woman. And when you pick people for positions for the wrong reasons, well, you get wrong people in place. And you may agree with me on this. You, you may entirely disagree with me on this. You can always, always start this conversation and continue it, obviously. I, I've tried to start it here. You can continue it with me. Would love that. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.